The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. A new chapter in the relationship between his country and the European Union is how UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak described the Windsor Framework Deal for Northern Ireland. So what's in the deal? Is it likely to satisfy everyone concerned? Well, to talk about all the permutations, I'm joined now by Sky News political correspondent Tamara Cohn, by Fine Gael MEP uh, Sean Kelly, and uh, by Sorsha Eastwood, Alliance Party MLA for Lagan Valley. Good morning and welcome one and all. Tamara, we'll go to you first. Um, has Rishi Sunak pulled it off? Well, the reaction in the UK seems to be that he has. Certainly, um, it went a lot further, this new Windsor framework agreement, than many people here had expected. And the critical voices, whether they are from the Conservative Party uh, or from the Northern Ireland Unionist parties, have been a lot more muted than we expected. This promised rebellion with lots of furious uh, rhetoric from Conservative Brexiteers uh, just did not materialise yesterday as I think we're all still taking in all the details, but certainly it went a lot further in terms of actual legal changes uh, to the treaties, which some uh, thought was not on the cards. And just simply in terms of the concessions that he got, not just on the green lane, but on this Stormont break, this idea um, that um, MLAs in Northern Ireland will be able to block certain bits of EU law. So I think certainly the reaction here has been positive, but of course um, the details may yet emerge. How important was it that Steve Baker uh, came out and endorsed the deal enthusiastically? I think it was important. He'd put about that he was on the brink of resigning over the last few days. Some are not sure whether that was entirely the case, but certainly he was one of those who was really orchestrating rebellions against Theresa May and Boris Johnson. He's seen as a real purist on Brexit. And it's definitely the case that the Brexiteer wing of the Conservative Party has splintered a bit. He went into government, is now backing the deal. You've got figures like David Davis, the former Brexit secretary, enthusiastically backing the deal. And of course, one of uh, the big Brexiteers, Chris Heaton-Harris, now Northern Ireland secretary. So they aren't as numerous or as cohesive as they were before. But still, we are seeing rebellions build quite quickly in the Conservative Party. So there are many who have not yet um, expressed a view on it, particularly one Boris Johnson. But the reaction so far seems to be very positive and it's being talked up as Rishi Sunak's best day since becoming Prime Minister. Now, it also scuppers Boris Johnson's protocol bill, which is stuck in the Lords at the moment. Yes, it does. One of the compromises was that Rishi Sunak has said that's not happening and that will simply just lie there, fall away at the end of the session. And in return, he said the EU would stop its legal action against the UK, which was taken sort of in retaliation for that. So Rishi Sunak is talking about this very much as a new era for relations with the EU that we can now, through getting on better, perhaps have action on small boats and other things that Conservatives are very concerned about. But his big sell in Northern Ireland and the Prime Minister is in Northern Ireland this morning. He will be talking to businesses any moment now and perhaps later meeting with some uh, Northern Irish politicians. We haven't had it confirmed yet. But I think his big sell will be that if Northern Ireland uh, has this deal, then it will be able to attract inward investment and take advantage of some of the economic opportunities on offer. And the prospect that some companies might even move to Northern Ireland to have the best of both worlds. Um, They will sell into the single market freely and also uh, sell into the UK uh, freely. So uh, what's not to like about that? Uh, Clever stuff in terms of the the title for this uh, new version of the protocol, 
the Windsor framework. Now, obviously, uh, the the meeting happened in Windsor, but there's kind of the House of Windsor about it. You know, the uh, keeping the the whole idea of sovereignty there uh, front and center with the with the name Windsor, uh, which might placate uh, loyalists. Yes, there was a lot of criticism, especially of the idea with Sky News broke the story uh, on Friday that Ursula von der Leyen, um, the top EU official, had been going to meet King Charles on Saturday. Then that meeting was called off. The suggestion that he may have something to do with endorsing the agreement. The line from everybody seems to be that her meeting with King Charles was separate and that, you know, King Charles meets world leaders when they visit the UK. But certainly, despite denials from both Downing Street and the palace that either of them organised it, it certainly would appear that Downing Street didn't stop the meeting going ahead. It happened on their advice. I the, the reaction from the DUP this morning, from the DUP's Westminster leader, was um, that they want to just move on now and look at the detail of the agreement. So perhaps it, it did inflame things over the weekend. But I think everyone just wants to look through the detail now. I think the slightly awkward thing for Rishi Sunak is that in trumpeting all the benefits of this agreement, he is you know, by implication, saying that Boris Johnson's Brexit deal, the, you know, oven ready Brexit deal um, was um, was deficient in many very fundamental aspects. And that's a bit of a difficult thing for Tory MPs to swallow. Mm. Mind you, Rishi Sunak yesterday did uh, uh, thank his predecessor, um, bar one, you know, Liz Truss was in briefly in between, but he did thank Boris Johnson for the work he did. Yeah, there was a lot of laughs in the chamber of the House of Commons when he said that, um, and um, and you can see and you can see why because you know Boris Johnson said this is an oven ready deal which will really minimise bureaucracy and have no checks, throw your customs forms in the bin, and uh, Rishi Sunak is trying to be a lot more realistic about mm. what has really been achieved. Now the Stormont break is whereby if the EU was to come up with uh, some tightening of rules or new standards or new regulations, that uh, if they didn't suit. Uh, the Northern Ireland Assembly, they would have an effective veto which would stall the adoption of those rules pending uh, discussions back and forth. Uh, The big issue would be whether or not uh, Westminster could in turn uh, overrule the Stormont veto. Yes, so this Stormont break was the big centrepiece yesterday, the big rabbit out of the hat, um, which would limit the remit of EU law, give Northern Irish politicians a voice, whether it's a voice or a veto is being actively discussed. First of all, power sharing has to be restored in order to activate this break. So that is the first thing that the particularly the, the DUP will have to consider. You need 30 MLAs, a third, to express concern about something and it needs to be a significant concern i think that will be picked over you know will any trade concern be able to go through this process of being officially objected to or will it have to meet a certain bar which will be very difficult to meet i think those are the things that i'm picking up from the dup are there are there concerns that they want answers to and then of course you know, is it an effective veto? Of course, any group of MLAs, it doesn't, it won't just be unionist parties can, can object to something. So what happens if there's a kind of deadlock? So I think how exactly this is going to work is going to be one of the key issues. Mm. And one of the concerns might be, you know, you know, in the great early days of Brexit, where uh, the UK was going to become this uh, manufacturing hub, uh, selling cheap stuff all over the world and winning export markets and so on. Uh, the idea that they'd be making tat in Britain and that tat then would be manufactured in Northern Ireland and that tat would be exported uh, to the EU via, via the Irish Republic. The truth is 
that Britain, if it wants to sell into most markets, has to have very high standards. So they're likely to match the EU in pretty much everything it does. Yes, the, the Singapore on Thames phase, um, we, we all remember that one. And I think, yes, I think the concern is that at the moment, the UK and the EU are getting on well. Britain meets a lot of EU standards uh, on trade. I think there was um, great uh, welcome among certainly Conservatives for the fact that Rishi Sunak had secured um, UK sort of derogations about VAT and state aid and made sure that Westminster could make decisions on those. So in terms of safeguarding Northern Ireland's place in the UK market, they've moved quite a long way. But yes, of course, you have to consider what this agreement might mean under a different government in which trade standards may be different in the future. So I think that's one of the the key things that will be discussed. But I think certainly he's very much trying to get businesses on side. He's about to do a Q&A with businesses in Belfast. We've seen uh, figures like the, the boss of M&S saying that um, this will be much better for supermarkets to send products to Northern Ireland. So no one expects the DUP to pass judgment on this immediately or to stand up and say it's fantastic. But um, over the next few weeks, if the weight of business opinion is to say, look, this is really going to help us, I think that would certainly help the government's case. Well, those M&S trucks uh, destined for Northern Ireland go through the Green Lane. And if M&S trucks come in through Belfast uh, heading for Dublin uh, to deliver to their shops in Dublin, uh, they go through the Red Lane and all of that uh, that might entail. Uh, Tamara, thank you very much uh, for for that. Uh, Listening to the conversation, we'll be talking to Sean Kelly, MEP, in a few moments about what's uh, the reaction in Brussels and in the Parliament generally. Uh, But Sorsha Eastwood, uh, Alliance Party MLA for Lagan Valley, listening to that. Um, Sorsha, good morning. Good morning. Uh, Has Rishi Sunak done enough to placate the DUP? Is this just a a holding game that they must appear to be scrutinising this like an A-level examiner before they give it the nod? Well, I think the wider question this morning is that the people of Northern Ireland need and want a government urgently. And what we have said from the start is that we should have been able to do our jobs from last May and that we should have had a twin-track approach Um, where we went back in and we continue these conversations in parallel. Um, And frankly, you know, there's nothing on the table um, that hasn't been there in the last year or two years. Obviously, the main missing ingredient over that time has been the trust. And clearly, Rishi Sunak made it very clear whenever he came in as PM that he wanted to do a job of work in terms of clearing up um, the mess that had been left by his predecessor, but also wanting to reset um, UK-EU relations. And there are a number of reasons for that. Obviously, they wanted to avoid a trade war. They wanted to crack on with their own domestic agenda um, at home. And obviously, we were there the whole time, being the voice of reason for people in Northern Ireland, who frankly understood the reasons for the protocol existing. And this morning, we are giving a broad welcome to the, the, the Windsor framework. However, what we are saying is that we do have some concerns about the Stormont break, We haven't yet bottomed out how that's going to work in in practice. Obviously, in Northern Ireland, things may seem benign on the face of it in terms of um, mechanics and procedure, in terms of of, of the house and how those things work. And then we've seen um, through the petition of concern how things can quickly be abused and fall into a cycle of almost attrition. What we don't want to see is the storm and break um, baking in um, literal breaks 
um, we don't want to have that scenario. We do want to have stability and certainty, and we do want to exploit the unique opportunity that Northern, Northern Ireland has through access to, to both markets. Okay. That was always key for us as a party well, that we wanted to retain that. Really what you're saying is that uh, this storm and break, you would hope that the mechanisms would be such that it couldn't be used for political mischief-making. And we've seen how often that has happened in Northern Ireland. We are hearing that there are some um, versions where the bar to actually having the break is quite high. Um, And then there's a number of different permutations of how that's being read. Um, Is there then a break applied on the break? Or does that then ultimately rest with with the UK and how that works? So what we don't want to what we don't want to see is a scenario where um, at at the run of every single EU directive, and we know um, that EU directives are um, voluminous. Um, they are um, very very frequent. And frankly, you know, we don't have the expertise sitting around those 90 MLAs not to run ourselves down. But, you know, we're not trade experts. We don't have the right to sit and pour over everything. What we want is stability. We want business Mm -hmm. to be able to invest and say, look, we are taking these directives as they come because okay. they're the best thing for us. They meet the higher standard and, and we want to operate to those standards. Now, two things about the DUP. Um, the local elections are, are looming. Um, I presume they can only be triggered if the Assembly is back in action and the executive is functioning. The, the break? No, the, the local elections for May, um, they can oh, only the be... Yeah, yeah, they can presumably only be triggered if the Assembly uh, ordains it so. Or, or are they independent of the assembly meeting? Yeah, no, local government's completely separate. Okay. So, so the council elections will be going ahead anyway. So the DUP then have uh, uh, obviously a concern that whatever they do, that they don't lose support to uh, maybe more uh, extreme loyalists uh, than themselves in those local elections. Well, I think there's already been a, a version of events out there whereby the DP have said um, or telegraphed out um, privately that they're willing to sit out um, the Assembly un- until the council elections passed and take an electoral hit um, at local government level um, and then go back in. Obviously, that's speculation um, and, and, frankly, it's political gossip, but... It is very clear that the DUP are not coming out this morning and saying, look, yes, we we have issues potentially with the Windsor framework, but look, broadly, we're willing to make it work. They're not saying that. And this is why we have always said from the start that we should have been back and this was never an excuse um, to collapse the Assembly. Um, And it's, it's frustrating for us because we're seeing the managed decline of public services. We need to get a lid on tackling paramilitarism. Um, It's clear that um, evil elements will come into a vacuum and we want to be back doing our jobs. Um, We're not saying this morning that that we welcome absolutely every single jot and tittle, but what we are saying is that if we do have an issue, we will be around that table and we will be governing um, with ministers in place to actually get round, not walking away and collapsing things. All right, Sorsha, thank you very much for joining us. Sorsha Eastwood, Alliance Party MLA for Lagan Valley. Uh, Sean Kelly, MEP, uh, listening to those two conversations. Uh, Sean, good morning. Good morning, Pat. Is joy unconfined in Brussels and Strasbourg? Well, maybe not unconfined, but there certainly a sense of relief that at long last we have an agreement. And secondly, that we have a Prime Minister who is realistic, as opposed to his predecessors, 
whom it was impossible to do business with. And now there's a great hope that we can get this done and dusted and move on and have a good, a stable relationship with the United Kingdom and deal with issues that affect both areas. Mm. Because this has dragged on for too long and uh, people are basically fed up with it and they want to see an end. And I think the EU has compromised as much as it possibly can in the hope that uh, Rishi Sunak can get this over the line, both in terms of Westminster but also in terms of settlement. Now, are there any concerns uh, in EU circles about uh, how uh, the border with the Republic, which is the EU border, uh, might be leaky uh, either forward or back? In other words, you know, people could move into uh, Republic of Ireland, Ireland uh, is its proper name, uh, from other parts of the EU and thence into the UK by just popping across the border and moving across. And and, uh, likewise, uh, goods that were not destined for the EU would leak into the EU via via Dublin. There will always be those concerns. And uh, certainly this is going to be examined very carefully, particularly in relation to the Stormont break, what implication it has for future EU legislation in terms of uh, goods and agriculture, etc., that there might be different rules applying in Northern Ireland as opposed to the rest of the EU. But I'm sure that uh, Mara Sefcovic, who did a great job of negotiating this on behalf of the European Union, will be able to lay those fears when we come and discuss it with him. I think the green lanes and the red lanes allay a lot of the fears because using real-time data, and this was a key agreement a few weeks ago, when the United Kingdom agreed to uh, to share the data with the EU in line with the withdrawal agreement, this was actually the precursor to getting this agreement yeah. on goods in relation to green lanes and red lanes. Yeah. There'd be no need for checks for the vast, vast majority. Yeah, and, and it, the, there might be sort of random uh, checks, but trusted traders whose d- uh, detail is shared, um, those trucks can be nodded through. That's correct. And indeed, when we had our parliamentary party assembly over in Westminster a few months ago, uh, Marasevkiewicz outlined that maybe you could have 100 lorries coming through Northern Ireland and they'd only ask maybe to have a check and one or two if they felt there was anything untoward happening. So I think Marasevkiewicz uh, and also, of course, Rishi Sunak are correct when they say that more or less the border in the RSC has been removed because you're going to have checks at every single airport and every port across the world if there is suspicious uh, activity yeah. uh, taking place. And that happens to, you can see that any time you go through an airport, people pull the side. So I can see where this would impact on the sovereignty of yeah. the United Kingdom. It, it all is down to whether the DUP really want to do this. Uh, they can always find an excuse not to approve of this. But if they want to do it, there's enough cover here for them to accept it. Yes, and I think that has been the bottom line, really. And even the the wording of the agreement is the Windsor Windsor framework, not the Brussels framework, and it's the Stormont break. And for the course, the Stormont break to operate, Stormont must be up and running. So even in terms of the wording, because words can mean a lot, I think everything has been done to try and allay the fears of the UP. I'm sure quite a lot of work we've done on the background to convince 
them that this is the best deal and it's the only deal. And also, of course, the alternative is a trade war with the European Union and nobody wants that. And also, of course, the EUP must be conscious of the fact that the majority of people in Northern Ireland voted to stay in the European Union and the majority of MLAs and people in Northern Ireland are in favour of the protocol because it's working for businesses. And businesses aren't entirely in one community or another. They're across community. So I think all those factors hopefully will play to get a positive outcome because it would be great to get this done and dusted and get on with coexisting with the United Kingdom and advancing Very and good. challenging all the other areas we need to deal with as we move forward. Sean Kelly, MEP, thank you very much for joining us. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.